You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Of course, there's a great loophole. You know, having a lawyer like Carney working for me, um, uh, <laughs> the, the deal was only beer, so we just... Oh, uh, I like that. <laughs> it's great company. Early, early in breakout. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two It Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, and we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Make sure by Monday you fill out the Alberta Podcast Network survey. We want to make sure the, the network's serving your needs, you are uh, having fun with it, and uh, maybe some ways you would like to see it uh, improve. AlbertaPodcastNetwork.com slash survey. And respondents can choose to be entered into a draw to win one of three cash prizes of 100 bucks. So AlbertaPodcastNetwork.com slash survey. Uh, Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty, it is CFL kickoff, baby. And Rod mm-hmm. Smith from CFL on TSN is going to be joining us today. We will get to Rod very, very shortly. Uh, first, I do want to ask you, Ty. <laughs> I, I saw them. I saw them. <laughs> The Raptors everywhere. The Raptors should have won the NBA championship on Monday. Some crazy timeouts were called. uh, Whatever, we won't get into that. But those Rough Rider fans, I can't have thirty. I can't have thirty seconds to vent. No, no, Uh, we got a jam packed show. (laughs) You you vented on Twitter, man. And and I had to call you because I was so upset. You (laughs) did. But there were two Rider fans sitting behind the Golden State bench. It is incredible to me the amount of fashion critics we have on uh, on Twitter complaining about what these guys were wearing. Man, they probably paid a good ten grand a piece for those seats. I think they can wear whatever they want. Um, I, I I somewhat agree with you. I still think it's stupid to wear a football jersey of a city that's not even in the championship series to a championship series game. That's like it's like it, by like yeah no I don't it's kind of dumb um, you know but that being said you you buy buy the tickets you can wear what you want unless you're in Arizona at a Diamondback game if you're not wearing Diamondback stuff behind home plate they will move you because you're on TV. That's insane. So they move the Marlins yeah. guy. Uh, they've tried. That's t- I'm sorry to me that is yeah. That's a little too far. But Marlins guy can screw off, too. You know, if if these guys got the money to buy an NBA Finals mm-hmm. ticket and sit that close, I'm sorry, man. You can wear whatever the hell you want. There was the fat guy in the stands that took his shirt off. If I did that, I'd be kicked out. Like, Well, no, because it looked like you're still wearing a T-shirt underneath. <laughs> I think props to those guys. Most of the people whining were the ones watching on TV, so it uh, screams of a little bit of jealousy to me. <laughs> it's tad. Somehow, though, along the way, the rider jersey has become a badge of sort of pride as to where you're from. Uh, I would love it if there was a fan wearing an Eskimo jersey on the World Series or you know an Argo jersey at the Super Bowl. 
Oh, I would. Okay, love there's like that. three people that own Argos jerseys. I know like that, really that's the problem. Overestimating this here. <laughs> <laughs> In the huddle with Karan Ty on the Two and Out podcast. All right. Oh, I'm just so glad that CFL kickoff is uh, finally here. Some crazy news this week, as there always is. Wednesday was Kevin Glenn's 40th birthday, and he announced his retirement from the CFL after 18 seasons. Uh, just one word, Tyrell. We're, we're, we're going to ask Rod Smith this later on. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. I'm going to agree, too. It seemed like the conversation kind of changed a little bit once he uh, signed with Edmonton (laughs) and was property of all nine teams. Well, once I started actually looking at the numbers and stuff, it it kind of I came around on it because I remember two or three years ago, I said, no, no effing way. Right. So I've come around on, you know, he's got over 50,000 yards and, you know, all all the other numbers that he's been able to put up throughout his career and 18 years. Uh, just a longevity to, to to be able to stay in the game that long is there's something to be said for that. So we're starting to see the fruits of CFL 2.0. The league signed a broadcast deal with uh, Mexican network MVS. They're going to play one game a week all season long, and the playoffs and the Grey Cup. We don't know how much money this is worth, but there's nothing but good things here. If it is worth money. The players get to reap the benefits uh, in the salary cap next year, and it brings more eyes to the CFL. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any cons other than not all the games are broadcast. But I mean, this thing is in, in its infancy. Uh, like I said, more eyes uh, if they're if, depending on the money, how that pans out. Uh, you know, exposure is never a bad thing. You know, and here's what I love: some of the trickle down effects of uh, CFL 2.0. The University of Calgary Dinos are actually talking about having a recurring home-and-home series against a Mexican university football team. And uh, Eric Fisher, I believe his name was, uh, he's the head coach of Aztecas of the Universidad. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, he's a head coach of a university... uh, uh, team in Mexico, and he was actually on Horseman Radio, a member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and they are talking about, yeah, having a home-and-home series, so when it comes down to the pro level, and then the university kids get to experience something like that, what's the downside? Uh, I, 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 I don't really see one. Uh, you know, when when they come up here, the the plan is to play three down Canadian football. When they go down to Mexico for that game, it'll be you know the four down American style. Uh, but I mean, then because they play NCAA rules in Mexico, um, you know. But them getting a taste of the three down game and maybe see how guys perform in that. Uh, I, I think there'd be some scouts with the glo- with the new global plan. Uh, there'd be, definitely be some scouts watching and and taking some notes. And I, I, you might find a few more diamonds in the rough compared to what uh, we had at the combine this year. It seems like every week we have a new tidbit of news with the Montreal Alouettes, and it looks like the CFL, as reported by Dave Naylor, is hoping to sell the Alouettes to California-based Lankoff Brothers. I don't know how I feel about this one, to be honest. Uh, they now live. In Southern California, both of them. One is a uh, Hollywood producer. Another one is a uh, an attorney. I think he was an 
NHLPA player agent at one point, but they haven't lived in Montreal for 30 years. Do, do these guys really have their pulse on what's happening in Montreal? And to bring the Alouettes back to maybe being the model franchise in the league? Well, I, I think as an ownership group, especially if they're not going to be, well, who knows how much time they would spend uh, in in Montreal. I, I think that they would put somebody in place as a president of football ops or whatever you want to call it that, that would have, have the finger on the pulse and kind of know what's going on. Uh, and, you know, if they can get stability in ownership, and that, that can eventually trickle down and, you know, they can start rebuilding this franchise basically from the ground up is, is what they're having to do because right now it's just so bad and there's just no stability. And it's just, yeah, if, if they can if they can get this thing back to where they are a contender year in and year out, uh, even without a great cup, I think is, is a huge win uh, for the franchise and the league. Before we bring Rod Smith on, this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by the Alberta Blue Cross Wellness Summit. It's happening on October 10th, and the the Wellness Summit is a day to explore fresh perspectives and practices around wellness. This year, the focus is on what it takes to create healthy workplace cultures where everyone thrives. This looks like an amazing event. It's happening at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel, and they've got all kinds of keynote speakers here, including Lance Secretan. He's the author of the bellwether effect a bestseller that shows leaders how to replace morale killing business practices with inspiring ones so whether you're an employer or an employee man how many of us go to go to work we're grumpy every day we're not sure how to be a leader how to stand out and maybe for employers how to increase that morale in there this is the thing you do want to check out and it's not like you just sit there and listen to these amazing keynote speakers there you get to mingle with them how do you not like that the alberta blue cross is happy having their wellness summit october 10th at the renaissance edmonton airport hotel get your tickets at the wellness tickets at the wellness and now joining the show is Rod Smith from the CFL on TSN. And Rod, I kind of want to start with, uh, I've been binging the Rubber Boots podcast over the past six months or show, kind of like a like a Netflix show. <laughs> is this kind of like an exclusive then? I, I understand you're on a hiatus because they weren't uh, responding to your invoices. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't. I haven't talked to Rod Smith baby in a while, but he's pretty curious, and he's got he's dealing with an agent and lawyers, and it's gonna, it could get quite ugly with Duffy. And the fact is, uh, I don't know if Rod Smith baby's been fired or he chose to quit, but um, you, we really don't know yet when uh, when when baby's going to be back. It's um, it's a mystery right now, and um, one I honestly don't even know about. So, uh, but my my alter ego's moved on to bigger and better things like this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is there a little bit of uh rod smith baby that's in the back of your mind like is, is there like a was that you in university where you had no. dreams of having a compound or <laughs> no the uh you know um i'd have to say no none of it it's, it's uh I'm, I'm living now later in life vicariously through this um through this hugh hefner like uh boozing character who is um <laughs> it's kind of fun, actually. Duffy, Duffy would write a and lot in of love with Heather Mirren in his uh, his twisted comedic mind. And when I first looked at what he wanted me to do, 
if that thing all started off, you just want to be to recap the previous show. And I said, sure, no problem. And then he started adding some crazy stuff, and then it evolved. And then, <laughs> at first, I thought I, I used to, every week I would get it, and I would I would think, you know, and uh, he he wasn't even sure that I'd send it back to him, and I. I I'd look at it and I'd say, I'm not reading this. You know, I did, you know, if my mother ever found out, good thing my mother doesn't really know what a podcast is. Yeah. If she ever found out, she'd be absolutely horrified. But then I'd read it. I have a little, little booth at home that I do some stuff in. And so I read it and I played it back before I sent it. And when I played it back, I started laughing. So, and I thought, uh, if I could even make myself laugh because of his words, yeah. then I thought, okay, this is, this is okay. So everything just about, and he used it, he kept pushing the envelope and he admitted to me later. He just thought he'd keep pushing it until I said no. And I never did. So, but do I have anything in common with him? Jeez, uh, I wish, but no, I'm I'm a lot more boring than that. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, my favorite part of the pod is those uh, Grey Cup specials that Duffy and Puffy uh, have. I, I know you have some TSN duties, Grey Cup week, obviously. Yeah. But what's a typical day look like for you if you've got some free time? Uh, well, actually, uh, you know, I lied to you. Uh, I guess there is a little bit of. Rod Smith baby and me. It comes out early in Great Cup Week. <laughs> just in terms of just in terms of the socializing, and uh, you can party a little bit earlier on. And by probably Wednesday or Thursday, Great Cup Week, of course, you got to start going to bed early and taking you know taking uh, the amount of work you got to do uh, a lot more seriously because there isn't as much to do. And actually, to be honest with you, part of to me, and I used to say this when uh, Darren Detishan and I used to host a show called Great Cup Saturday, Great Cup Sunday. We felt obligated to go out and see what's going on. Right. We felt we got to talk about it on our show, and um, it would be irresponsible of it to be just going to bed early and not finding out what actually is going <laughs> on and uh, and all the parties in Great Cup Week. But on this show on CFL and TSN, it's a lot more buttoned down, uh, certainly by uh, later in the week. But there was always a chance to go out and experience a little bit of the city, whatever city the game has, happens to be, and that's part of the fun. Well, what would you say your favorite Great Cup city is like when when the sites get announced, like you're really looking. I know you look forward to it every year, but if you had to pick one city to host it for the rest of time, where do you think you'd want it to go? I, you know what, I the only one I haven't been to because uh, was Montreal. I was at one in Montreal as a fan decades ago, back in I think 1981. But um, the the only one that uh, you know since with the Alouettes gone for a while, and they ended up. Uh, hosting the one in, I think it was 2008 when Calgary beat Montreal, and that was TSN's first broadcast. Okay, uh, yeah, I wasn't a part of that one. I didn't get to go to that one, so I'm just I'm ruling out Montreal. But I've been to every other city for a Grey Cup, I believe. Uh, oh, you know what? Wasn't in Regina either, and that would have been amazing in 2013. That's the only one in recent memory that I have missed. I've been to every other place. So, considering what what great a city Montreal is. And considering uh, how great Regina is and the fan base and the passion and everything else, um, those are two, uh, I'm eliminating two tremendous possibilities here. Mm-hmm. Right. And after that, I have to go with Ottawa. And, and this, this, this sounds like a local bias. I mean, uh, I don't live there anymore, but I grew up there and could never imagine a Grey Cup being any good there. But what I liked about it was they have so much to do right around the stadium. And it was a really fun atmosphere that way. I think for the game day experience, uh, TD Place, you know, remains the best only because they have so much there right at the stadium. You can go to restaurants, oh, bars. Yeah. Um, it, it's just terrific. And it was, as I say, I know that what that footprint of land, Lansdowne Park, used to be like. It was never like that before. It was barren. And it's it completely changed when the Red Blacks were born and they came back and they developed the area. So, I mean, that was good. I love them all. Evanton did a terrific job last year. I really... I really think so, and um, 
I have fond memories of Calgary in 09 and, uh, you know, Vancouver. I mean, I, I, I guess the one that, was, that I would rank lowest would be Toronto just because I live in the area. And right. One is getting a road trip out of it, right? I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, uh, part of the enjoyment of it. But I, uh, uh, if I was going to rank them out of the ones I've been to, I'd put Ottawa number one. It kind of feels like we have uh, had about five years off since uh, the Grey Cup in Edmonton. So there's been a yeah. crazy off season. There's a quarterback yeah. carousel, a lot of drama surrounding the CBA. Was was your off season any different? I know there was CFL week the past two years, so there was a lot for you to do there. You had the around the table interviews. Was yeah. there sort of uncertainty on your side too? Yeah, well, none of that happened because the uh, because of uh, the CBA wasn't done. There was no CFL week, which which was supposed to be in Ottawa, and I would have been curious to see how it could stack stack up against uh, Saskatchewan or Winnipeg, both doing outstanding jobs. Um, I don't know. If, uh, I would have been curious to see, but it never happened. And the around the table shows never happened. Then, part because that's when they were. It was the best opportunity to do them with the players and um, the play. You know, there were no players there. They just had the uh, the combine, the main national combine back in Toronto, and it was really a, a week in March, like it used to be before they started this football week. So that was an opportunity missed, but it was a CBA year, and that's why. Um, and then uh, yeah, it's been busy uh, for me. I, I go right back. I go from CFL. I take some time off, and then in the new year, I go back to hosting Sports Center, a show I did on TSN for years and years. And I only do about four months now because of the CFL commitments, but. Um, so it was busy from that standpoint, doing a sports news show uh, with so much to talk about, especially I do remember the, the one free agency day in February, guys, was, of course, that was that was the busiest and the craziest uh, and with the quarterback carousel that you talked to and just other big sign, signings. How Edmonton was such a big story, too. And, um, you know, as soon as they lost Mike Riley and all of the players they signed, not just Trevor Harris, but a lot of good defensive players, too. What was the most uh, surprising move for you uh, throughout the the off season? Then uh, the guy that didn't uh, switch teams and one of the big yeah. creators out there, Bowley by Mitchell. We we knew. I mean, everybody pretty well suspected Mike Riley if he could get a deal in BC, he he wanted to go. Nothing against the Eskimos. I'm sure he has very fond memories, but this was a chance uh, for his family to get closer to home, to get back to the team that he started with, to face a fresh challenge, and maybe. You know, see if he can win a, a great cup on the West Coast, as he did with the Eskimos in 2015. Um, I, we knew that was coming. I, I, uh, I didn't think he was going to be back with Edmonton. Um, and Trevor Harris, I didn't really see that coming, but I was not thinking he was going to be back with Ottawa, so I wasn't sure where he was going to get. I thought he might end up in Saskatchewan. Um, but Bowley by Mitchell, we were so focused on Riley and, and, uh, and Harris and other free agents. There were so many free agents out there. But all of a sudden, news comes that Bo's not going to try the NFL, even though looks like he could have. I don't know if he could have had a number two spot in the National Football League. Perhaps in Denver, that looked to be maybe the most logical place for him to land. Um, but he instead reevaluated, decided he wanted to pad his legacy, which is already considerable, uh, and go right back to Calgary. And Because up until then, as you recall, I mean, there was some uncertainty with all the change uh, for the Stampeders coming. And, and there has been significant change, of course, already heading into this season, but that was the big card. And, and uh, I don't think anyone saw it happening right away that, you know, on free agency it opens up and, and bows right back in with the Stampeders. And, and what a difference that's made And when you consider the balance of power again in the West. And since we're on the topic of Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, Tuesday night you guys had your top 50 player list 
show uh, topped the list for the third time uh, in, what, the past six years. Him and Riley have bounced back and forth. Uh, where do you start when you fill out your ballot, and what surprised you the most about the list this year? Well, uh, for me, when I was making it, and by the way, I had I had Bo one and Riley two, mm-hmm. and my vote, not that it was my vote, but anyone's vote, mattered more this year because it was a single point. When Dave Naylor added yeah. it, it was a single point. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done, we've done nine of these, and that's the closest ever that uh, Mitchell or Riley, uh, those two. Um, and But what the one thing, the one impression for me, and not only on the list, and you can see it on the list, but also for me as I sat down, and I have this process, I take all day, I'll, I'll look at last year's list. I'll look at last year's uh, overall stats. I'll look at per-game stats. I'll look at how the teams did. Uh, you break it down by position. You get your list of your top O-linemen that you think. Um, there are, in, like in every positional breakdown of linebackers, secondary receivers, everything else. And so you put all that in, and then your first list is like a top 60. And whittling it down to a top 50 is really, really hard. And for us, we have to submit 40 names, not 50. They, uh, Because there are so many different names that would appear, mm-hmm. uh, they only want you to give 40. And what they'll do is they award those points, then they'll take the top 50 from that. And there's always more than 50 names. When you take everybody's top 40, there's no chance of uh, – you know, there's probably 60 or 70 names still in there to, to choose from. So, But out of all that process, uh, what was hard for me is I ranked, and that's that's the hardest part. How do you how do you compare a, a really a yeah. top Hall of Fame defensive tackle to a quarterback or to a running back or to a receiver? It's a part of the poll. I don't I play along, but I, I don't really like because yes, the quarterback position is it's to me the most important. But it's pretty tough after that to decide if both are superstars at different positions. Who do you put ahead? And that's you know I guess relative contribution to the team. Maybe who's better at their position? I don't know, but. Um, you know, long story short, um, defensive players. I just thought it, it was harder and harder. I mean, sometimes you get mm-hmm. captivated with the stars, with the big producers, uh, the yardage gainers, the point getters, things like that, those tangible stats, a lot of them on offense. And they end up, you know, sitting very, very high. But I found uh, Micah Johnson, for example, Adam Big Hill. I had them three, four, sorry, three, five. I had Micah Johnson third, and because I, I think, and this is, you know, and for the CFL to put that kind of weight on an interior defensive lineman <laughs> uh, might seem odd when you know when it's when it's normally a pass happy league. But if you look at how there were, how many dominant defensive stars there were last year, and it was hard to keep them down. And I don't know if you guys had the same impression, but there are a lot of good defensive players in the Canadian mm-hmm. Football League this year. I think there was a run. I think from about. 30 to 23 where there was no skill players it was either an offensive lineman or a db or a linebacker and yeah the the cfl's always been considered an offensive league and a pass happy league are we at a point where the defenders are closing the gap or what do you think's happening there well i i certainly think uh because i'd have to look back at the stats our point it was point per game production down i don't think it necessarily was but I think there were more dominant defensive performances last year um, than I can remember in other years. I mean, um, defense has made it harder. And I think there were, and, and maybe even if you're not evaluating defenses as a whole, maybe there's just more defensive players that stand out to you um, yeah. now. So even if the defenses, you know, statistically are no better, I don't remember a time where you could look at the, you know, the steadiness, leadership, dominance of Adam Big Hill. And the flash of his new teammate Willie Jefferson, who made big plays. Um, Charleston Hughes, uh, you know, a very, uh, uh, you know, um, 
big personality who gets his sacks and, and loves to tell you about it. Um, Micah Johnson, as mentioned, who to me is just, I've never seen uh, a force in the inside in the Canadian Football League like him that can almost lead in sacks as from the defensive tackle position. That's, that's almost unheard of to me. Um, Delvin Bro, when he came back into the lead, quietly, um, you, you notice how his stats aren't that good, and that's because everybody's afraid to throw to him. Mm-hmm. Guys like that, that just, I don't know, to me, that stand out, you start seeing their names and thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm not going to put them down in the, you know, they belong on the list, and they're not just going to go at 40. I mean, they got to go higher, much, much higher. Some of them top 10. As I said, I think Willie Jefferson, I had my top 10. I had Bro just barely out of it. And I had uh, Big Hill, Micah Johnson uh, in there, too. And uh, there are a couple other names I think you could even have considered for the top 10 in that CFL list. Do you feel like this season in general has a bit of a different feel coming in? Like last year, it seemed like everybody was focused on, on Johnny Manziel at this time, whether they were in Hamilton as part of the media or not. Like it just seemed any time uh, any TSN station was tuned in, it, it, it was pretty Johnny football heavy to start the, start the season. Uh, it's certainly different that way, and for the better. I mean, and hey, we're all, I'll raise my hand, a lot of us are <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a big story. It was an intriguing was. story. And, it was, and hey, listen, um, and on our website, the, the number of hits, whenever there was anything related to Manziel, fans wanted to hear about it. Fans wanted to know. I know for, for you know, current players uh, who didn't like it and all, a lot of attention given a guy that was completely unproven. And, you know, if you want to even debate undeserving of a chance, I, I didn't believe that. I think he was deserving of a chance. But, you know, I did think, I definitely thought, you know, he's not just going to walk in and dominate the CFL. I mean, things turned out largely the way I thought they would. But uh, it was hard not to talk about it, and it's not something we could responsibly ignore, in my opinion. That said, you see a guy like Jeremiah Mazzoli constantly improving and then having to hear about this, while he's while June Jones has put him in a position to succeed based on the previous year, uh, that's the kind of feeling that it doesn't make you feel too good when you know you should be talking more about Masoli and you know and instead of saying you know how many weeks can he go you know how many how many sets of downs can he go before he's going to lose his job to a guy that's you know we don't even know if he can play in the CFL so uh, that of course abated when you know he was traded to Montreal Manziel was. And, it was still a little bit of a story with the connection with Mike Sherman. So there was a bit more of a circus mm-hmm. last year. So to your point, I think it's, you know, some people may disagree just because the circus gets people talking. But for good football stability, I know especially in Hamilton, um, I think I think there's a lot of people glad that uh, this distraction, which is what it was, uh, doesn't exist anymore. I really felt for Mazzoli, too, because he had worked for, you know, four and a half, five years to finally yeah. get that starting job, and then they bring Manziel in, and it was overshadowing. But you're right. A lot of the casual fans were now paying attention because of Manziel, and they didn't they, even they, were. they didn't even know who Mazzoli was. Yeah. And maybe yeah. they learned. I hope they did. Yeah, and, exactly, and, and you know, and, and it's not like, I mean, Jeremiah Mazzoli, he um, he was a good quarterback at uh, at Oregon. I mean, it's not like he was an unknown. And you're right; he was. He had to pay his dues first with Edmonton, and then with the Tie Cats moving up. Um, but you know, that was um, uh, he's looming as a big story again coming in because I still remember when uh, Kent Austin relinquished the head coaching duties to June Jones midway through the 2017 season, and the Tie Cats are struggling with Zach Caleros. And uh, Brandon Banks is returning kicks and looks like he's on his way out of the CFL. Everything changed. Everything. Uh, I think Labor Day against the Argos. It, it all changed because uh, June Jones put his faith in Masoli. He uh, couldn't believe Brandon Banks, uh, such a talented athlete, was not being used. 
and the rest is history. Uh, you know, fairly recent history, but um, they are you know, two of the top players in all of the Canadian Football League, and they're expected to really put on a show and be productive this year. I watched uh, the season preview from uh, TSN on Tuesday, and staying on Jeremiah Mazzoli, Milton Henry were really debating whether he was... Yeah, whether he's elite. Yeah, and uh, for the record, I do think he's elite, and I really like the dynamic between Milton Henry. It looks like uh, Milt is picking on uh, Henry about Deron Carter. (laughs) Does this stuff continue (laughs) off the camera, too? Oh, yeah, it does. Oh, it starts off camera. It goes on camera. It continues off camera. Uh, you know, you know, you don't want to. Hey, Henry, uh, Henry is so congenial and laid back. He is. Hank and everything. Uh, but, you know, and, and Milt, you just don't pick a fight with Milt because he'll just he'll argue until, you know, the sun goes down. He just keeps going. Um, and they had a pretty good one. Uh, but, yeah, Henry, once you get Henry's back up, it gets pretty entertaining. They can go <laughs> at it. And, uh yeah, I know when Maddie is in there, it's the same thing. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, and, and even Davis, a little more mild-mannered, but uh, he can argue as well. But that was a good debate, and, and it is interesting. I think, uh, Mr. Diplomat that I am, I think he's demonstrating all the qualities of being the next elite quarterback in the CFL. But, but to Henry's point, he, you know, and I don't know, Travis, if you're saying you agree with this, that he doesn't have the championship ring. That's he true. Led a team into the Grey Cup. Uh, he certainly didn't have a great game in the Eastern Final last year when Ottawa ended up going away and, and dominating that. So, um, you know, albeit there were some injury concerns, certainly for the for the Ticats, but um, he's got to take that next step. He's showing all the signs that he will. I believe he will. I believe he will this year. I think they're going to the Grey Cup, um, but he's not in the class of Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell yet for one very significant thing, and that's a championship. Speaking of the panel and how they seem like they're in midseason form, I can only assume that the conversations spill over to after the broadcast when perhaps you guys go out for a few cocktails. Um, what what do the guys usually order at the bar for food? I, we talk about food a lot on this show. Um, you know, we got you as a chicken wings and beer kind of guy, and, and milk probably like a chicken salad and a water. You're describing me, and yeah. you're talking about water and a salad, no dressing. You're, you're talking about milk. What discipline? For a beer and you order anything deep fried, you will get uh, you'll get the glare. From oh, no. You'll get the milk people glare. They want you down, give them 20 push-ups, and, uh, and uh, you know, let's go out and run some sprints. We had a deal, uh, Grey Cup in 2015, because he didn't like me drinking beer, and I said, well, if for every beer I have, I'll give you 20 push-ups. So that was the deal. So, How many push-ups? <laughs> I did tw- a Jock Climey, uh, Milt didn't believe it, so Climey videoed it and then sent it to him, and he didn't like my form, and probably for a good reason. <laughs> and so I think I got to 40. I might even got to 60, and then, of course, there was a great loophole, you know, having a lawyer like Climey working for me. Um, uh, <laughs> the, the deal was only beer, so we just... Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's Grey Cup Week, as I said. Early, <laughs> early in Grey Cup Week, so that's... That's how we got out of that deal. I just decided, well, I'm not going to have another beer, and I did so. So three out of the four guys on the panel had Winnipeg winning the Grey Cup over Hamilton this November in Calgary. I think you did too. Yes, uh, I did. I like at least one of those Grey Cup droughts coming to an end. I, I think yeah. we all can agree on why Hamilton is the favorite. But with the West as crazy as it is, why Winnipeg? Well, you know what? I, I think I'd like to see Winnipeg 1990 yeah. the last time. 
And I would, uh, you know, I have no horse in the race, not even Ottawa. I never did. I was an old Ottawa Rough Rider fan, but that ended, of course, uh, back in the mid-90s. I mean, I just, I, I love the league, and uh, and I love a good story. And I think Winnipeg would be a good story. It's been a long time uh, coming. But, I, I mean, but this is not this is not a heart uh, prediction. This is head. Mm-hmm. I do think that they're balanced in offense and defense. I think they got a good thing going. Um I, I do believe Matt Nichols can do it. I don't think he has to do it, though, because of how strong their defense is. Um, they have good special teams. And uh, they also have Chris Trebler there, who with another year, in a second year now, uh, if anything, I, I just think they're in a better position at backup quarterback if Matt Nichols falters. But um, I, I just think overall, I, I do think Nichols is going to have a good season. And, and it's also, the, you know, it's no disrespect to Calgary because – you know, yeah, we have to do predictions, so that's my predictions. I'll, I'll stand by it. But the Stampeders, to me, are they're they're the champions until proven otherwise. And we were talking this time last year, but all the changes they had on defense: Charleston Hughes gone, Tommy Campbell gone, significant names gone, and now it's even bigger with you know with uh, Jameer Thurman, with Alex Singleton, with Micah Johnson gone, Siante Evans gone. I mean, the, the the list goes on and on on defense. How much I feel, you know, and. Um, and uh, Devon Claybrooks, of course, their defensive coordinator gone. So, uh, and yet, watching them in the preseason, I just had this funny feeling again. Bowl looked comfortable in the pocket. Doesn't matter who his receivers are; he's going to get them the football. Um, Calgary, despite all their losses, would be a worthy pick to win the West. But I just think Winnipeg's going to do it this time around. And who knows with Riley and BC? Who yeah. knows with all the changes Edmonton's made? If Saskatchewan can get good product, uh, good production on their on offense, their defense, I think, could be outstanding. Uh, it's just so many ifs. It's really a crapshoot in the West. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the West plays out. I'm a little worried about the competitive level in the East. That's a mm-hmm. big question mark. But the West could be crazy this year. Where were you in Winnipeg, uh, or where were you in 1990 when they last won? <laughs> I, at home, I think I just, I just got married. I was uh, in, in, the, in our first apartment, and I watched that guy. I was working at TSN. I was a reporter then, and I probably did. Uh, I might have even covered, uh, I think it was I think it was a Maybe a divisional playoff game, I think. Yeah. Um, because the Western Final was, I think, in Hamilton that year, sorry, in Winnipeg that year. I wouldn't have been there. But I remember watching it at home. I remember Greg Battle, uh, I think he was the MVP of the game. It was 50-11 to 11 for the Bombers over the Eskimos. Wow. And Battle had two picks. He had one for a touchdown. And Winnipeg's linebacking core then when they had James West, and they had Battle, and they had Tyrone Jones. They had, they had one of the best linebacking cores in history, as far as I'm concerned. Their defense was so strong, and yet they still they put up 50 points. And uh, Tom Burgess was their quarterback going up against Tracy Ham and the Eskimos. And that's it's crazy. I, I great cups. I just see them in front of me. I've, I've seen so many of them, and that right. one I remember very well as well in uh, in Vancouver. But and the Bombers. That was the they had also won in '88 and '84. So imagine imagine Winnipeg almost taking for granted winning great cups, and then 1990 <laughs> they went back several times after that, but they haven't won since. So the big news of the day, obviously, Kevin Glenn announces his retirement uh, after 18 years in the CFL. Uh, sixth all-time passing, but he doesn't have a ring. D- is that good enough to get him into the Hall of Fame? To me, it is. For longevity, there are various mm-hmm. reasons why a player can go in. They don't always say, I talked about you know the elite level for Mazzoli and winning a championship ring. He can still be a Hall of Famer without a ring if he keeps going at this level for several more yeah. years. Uh, Kevin Glenn, yeah. he goes in in a special place. I don't think Kevin Glenn was, he was never that quarterback that could just dominate a game week in and week out. But I don't think that in the history of the league there has ever been a more reliable quarterback as a starter and let's face it, as a backup too, 
that could last that long, that could pass for over 50,000 yards. And also just the fact the Hall of Fame needs someone who, in essence, has um, been a part of all nine teams. I mean, absolutely. He, he didn't throw. He didn't mm-hmm. have a down in Edmonton last year, but he at least put the uniform on. Uh, he was he was picked. He was the first player taken in the expansion draft by Ottawa. He never put a Red Blacks jersey on, but he still was there. You know, he was, he was still was a member of the Red Blacks briefly, and he was briefly a member of the Toronto Argonauts without ever playing for him. But I still love the story um, that Kevin Glenn is the only one in history that it was associate was. Uh, a member of all nine teams in the Canadian Football League. I think that's great. And and I, I know I get the championship thing, and that'll be the argument against them. But he had some he had some good, solid years in Winnipeg. The Bombers may have won the Grey Cup in 07 over Saskatchewan. For sure. Had he not been hurt in Toronto. Oh, absolutely. That was the biggest thing. I can't, even, I can't even talk to Milt about it. No disrespect to Ryan Dinwiddie. But, and that was a close game, too. That was 20, 23-19, and it was all defense mm-hmm. by the Riders, really. That, that was... Um, you know how they ended up winning that? I think James Johnson was the MVP with like three picks off Dinwiddie. Kevin Glenn was a really good quarterback with the Blue Bombers. And, you know, he might have got that ring over and done with right there in 07. Might have. If, ifs, ands, and buts, right? But he was good with Hamilton. I thought he was very reliable with the Rough Riders. With Calgary, Drew Tate got hurt early back in 2012. Mm-hmm. He ends up being the guy. They upset BC that year. They go to the Grey Cup and were favorites before they lost to Toronto. And with the Lions as well. I mean, he uh, briefly... You know, it was called upon after Travis Lule got hurt. He's just, I've just never heard of or seen a quarterback, often in a backup position, that's ended up taking a significant role on a team because they need him and perform the way he had. Uh, he'll never be remembered as he's never going to be up there with, like, you know, the likes of Doug Flutie or Bo or, or Riley or, or Dunnigan, but he's awfully close, and I, I think he does belong in the Hall of Fame. And we'll, we'll end it on a lighter note here before we let you go. We have to ask, uh, since you dominate the airwaves with the, being on the panel for the CFL on TSN, uh, you know, you're the franchise at, at 6 p.m. Eastern <laughs> ah, uh, with SportsCenter. <laughs> uh, and, of course, the commercials. <laughs> yes. Rod Baby's word that's written by Duffy, but Rod Baby loves it. I was just going to say, Rod and Rod Baby are two different people. Let's not forget that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, the commercials that, that pop up during – well, basically every every day, and especially during the CFL season, do you get free Kelsey's Roadhouse? <laughs> uh, it only happened once. Oh, okay. Matt Gunnigan and I were in, and Matt was uh, <laughs> Matt was Matt was selling it. He was having a little fun with me, so he was telling the manager, and then the manager yeah. came over. But no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> you're asking differences between me and and like Rod Baby. Um, that'd be one too. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not into that kind of thing. I just go and pay my bill. I go there. I I do enjoy it. So. I'm practicing what I preach, but I uh, no, I don't go. Um, I, I I think I I'm I'm for my friends. I tell them I'm the wrong guy to hang out with. If you think we're just going to go in and eat for free, I'm I'm just not very good at that sort of thing. Just going in and you know, if anyone offers, I take it. But I'm just uh, I don't pursue it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a true Canadian boy. I think. Yeah, it really is. It really, I'm Canadian through and through. You're right. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, and we're uh, looking forward to another season of CFL on TSN. Uh, it's my treat, guys. Great to talk to you again. Thank you. Join 2 and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em, and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. Hey, thanks again for Rod Smith from TSN coming on to talk about the Canadian Football League. What do you think Milt Stiegel would do to me after eating 18 pierogies, Ty? 
that's a lot of push-ups if we go pierogi, one pierogi equals one beer. Um, oh. And I'm not a good enough lawyer to get you out of that, as Jock Clammy is. <laughs> oh, I could not do that. Oh. I, I had six Cokes today. I could just imagine the death glare I'd be getting. <laughs> Oh, let's talk about the games for week one tonight. The Riders in Hamilton to take on the Ticats for the Ticats are three-point favorites. They actually moved this game up to a 7 Eastern kickoff to avoid uh, some overlap with the Raptors game six. But you know what? That's not really a surprise. This is not supposed to happen. These two leagues are not supposed to overlap. And, I mean, the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. final could have happened the same day as the CFL game. It's 25 degrees, and we're still playing hockey. That's that's another podcast altogether. But you look. Hey, hey anything that gives me the excuse to listen to Gloria by Laura Branigan, <laughs> I am all for it. <laughs> the, the leagues, for the most part, avoid each other's championship games, so I have no problem. The, the CFL is major league in this country. Millions of people watch it. But, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the Raptors have captured Canada right now. So it's a good move by the team. I know the Ticats are going to start playing the basketball game on the TVs in the concourse uh, while the Ticats game is still on. And then uh, they're going to have a, a viewing party there. They're going to keep the concessions open. A real smart move all around uh, here, making the, the best of a situation with, uh, I mean, the Raptors making it this far. And they're going to be doing the same thing at Mosaic. They're going to show the game on yeah. the big screen, I think, and then and then when the game is over, they're going to switch over uh, to the Raptors game. So, I mean, like you said, like uh, when they traded for Kawhi Leonard, I, I thought this was a distinct possibility. I didn't think that the finals would go this late. Um, but to see a whole nation rally behind it, it's just nice that the, the, the CFL is kind of able to work with it and you know try to try to prevent uh, as much overlap as they possibly could. I mean. You don't want a game starting at two in the afternoon on a Thursday in Vancouver because you moved it up to yeah to a six a six p.m. start or a five p.m. start, right? So uh, it's only a half hour, but that half hour will uh, get you another ten fifteen minutes of baseball or a basketball. Sorry. By the way, how about those flag football players in Regina that got to play with thirteen thousand fans in the stands? <laughs> yeah, would that would that be any fun? <laughs> That's like when uh, they fill the rink for those beer league players uh, playing hockey. I I love that so much that's, that they were still the playing dream. on the field. Uh, we When I coached Midget, uh, we had a full house on on a Friday and Saturday night because it was during the lockout. Oh, so we yeah. Couldn't have asked for, we couldn't have asked for anything better because uh, basically the entire high school would come and they'd all be 16, 17 years old uh, drinking in the parking lot, basically tailgating a game. Uh, for midget hockey, and it got loud and rowdy in there, and it made it so much more fun. The uh, Riders have some injury news from this week. Uh, Manny Arsenault and Solomon Elamimian are both on the one-game injured list, while Brendan Labatt and uh, Patrick mm-hmm. Lavoie are both on the six-game injured list. That Labatt loss is not good. No, and you know I don't want to make light of the situation, but it's a really good thing Dan Clark is healthy and nothing bad happened. Uh, or anything worse happened than it did when he rolled his car, uh, or else the Riders are really hurting with some offensive depth right now. Uh, on the depth chart, they actually have seven offensive linemen, so I mean we're already seeing the benefits of not having Chris Jones around. Zach Claros has not played a game as a visitor at Tim Hortons Field, believe it or not, so this will be his first one mm-hmm. there. 
Ticats injury notes, uh, Adrian Tracy, David Ungerer are on the one-game injured list, and Cam Marshall and Jamal Westerman are on the six-game. Cam Marshall being on the six-game means that Sean Thomas Erlington, the Canadian running back, is going to get all the volume at running back here. And I, I know you like him in fantasy. We'll get to that right away. Luke Tasker, good to go after a, a training camp foot injury. So he will be playing in this one. This one might be one of the most interesting matchups of the week. I think the Bombers and the Lions are probably my game of the week without having watched any of them yet. But this one probably is a close second. Ty, how do you see this game going? Uh, I, I think it's going to be very close. Uh, I just think with... Zach Claros and, and the uncertainty with the offense on the rider side of the ball. I, I got to pick Hamilton, especially at home. Uh, you know, I, I just say, and with it being early in the year, you know, usually the home team has a little bit of an edge. So that's, I got to go with Hamilton for, for this matchup. I got the tie cats as well in this one. The Eskimos 10 point favorites over the Montreal Alouettes Friday night football. Yes. The Eskimos have some, uh, Injury issues here. Uh, Shaq Cooper, Devaris Daniels, and Martise Jackson are all listed as questionable. But by the time you listen to this, the depth charts will probably be out. Javon Santos Knox mm-hmm. is another one that uh, hasn't practiced all week, and he's part of that, what a lot of people are calling the best linebacking core in the CFL. So I'm sure the Esks would like him on the field. Yeah, a huge presence on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, not practicing all week. Uh, it's either something happened or it's either that he's not going to play or that they're keeping him out because uh, something did happen and it's just a precautionary measure. Um, you know, if you are like, I don't think, I don't think if he doesn't need to play, he will because, or he, if he doesn't need to play, he won't uh, because it is Montreal. And I don't think, I don't think they're going to take them lightly, but uh, I think everybody knows what Montreal is right now to a certain extent. Uh, so if you're looking at the defense for, for fantasy, just take that into account, maybe. Uh, but you know, guys like Anthony Parker out for the year with with that with his uh, was it his ACL or his Achilles? His Achilles, Achilles, I believe. Yeah, and then Serge Agent Rogers, you know, a huge acquisition on the offensive line. Uh, and it's just like the early the the injury bug hit early for for the Eskimos, which uh, seems to be a broke record uh, the last couple of years. Former Rough Riders defensive lineman Chad Jeter has already signed with the Montreal Alouettes, who have named Antonio Pipkin their starting quarterback. Do I even need to ask who you're picking here, Ty? No. Uh, it, it's the Eskimos. I just don't see how Montreal keeps the game competitive in the second half. Uh, Trevor Harris, I, I think, is just going to be the Trevor Harris of old, especially having Greg Ellenson around. I got the Eskimos as well. Kahari Jones and his first game what five days later after being named head coach traveling across the country mm-hmm. uh, there's gonna be a lot of fired up Eskimo fans Fred Stamps is in the house Damon Allen is in the house and man if you're in Alberta anywhere near Edmonton grab your tickets to this one or or I have an extra ticket oh, you have an extra ticket <laughs> I have an extra ticket so are you offering it to anybody right now or what I wouldn't say anybody <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, let's not get crazy here. Like, if if Joe asks for it, I'm probably going to say no, right? <laughs> yeah, Balineski. <laughs> if if you want a pair of tickets, though, 
SeatGiant.ca. It's mm-hmm. all in Canadian funds. You can grab your tickets to any CFL game out there. And if you use the promo code APN, you get 5% off of your order, and you're supporting the Alberta Podcast Network in the process. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm picking the Eskimos as well. Saturday, we have a doubleheader. The Stampeders, eight-and-a-half-point favorites over the Ottawa Red Blacks. I know it's a Grey Cup rematch, but both teams do not look the same at all. Uh, the Stampeders will be without notable players, Kamar Jordan and Romar Morris. It's going to be interesting to see uh, their offense here because they're going to be talked about rolling with three American offensive linemen mm-hmm. here, and Reggie Bagleton is listed as questionable, but I'm pretty sure he will be playing in this one. As for Ottawa, Dom Davis gets to start the season as the starter for the Red Blacks in Calgary. It's not a good spot. The the starting five receivers for uh, Dom Davis and the Red Blacks, Brad Sinopoli, Dominic Rimes, R.J. Harris, Caleb Hawley, and Seth Coate. But I think the big one in this game is Jonathan Rose will be playing. If you remember, it was the East Final last year when he bowled over an official Instead of getting suspended, he's been slapped with the maximum fine. I don't know how I feel about that, man. Uh, it now sets a precedent. How do you how do you suspend somebody now? I know you can escalate it, but they're gonna because like, you can you can argue any suspension. It can go to arbitration. This is what you did for Jonathan Rose. I get Why that. It's it the rules, guy, yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, I, I don't like it. I think he should have been suspended. Uh, but this thing lasted all offseason and wasn't dealt with. Uh, now they just slap him with the max fine. And I, I, I know, I know the max. I know we, we make it sound like these like a max fine isn't a lot because these guys are, are professional athletes. But it's going to hurt the wallet for sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, and it just sucks. it just sucks that it couldn't have been dealt with earlier. And I I, I think he should have been suspended for the Grey Cup. Uh, that's just me though. I, I don't know. I think they kind of just forgot about it, and they've basically admitted as much with the CBA negotiations. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I don't see anybody that really supports him not being fired or suspended, so uh, I'll just leave it at that. I'm going Stampeders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess you are too. Yeah, it's just Ottawa lost way too much in free agency uh, this past offseason. I just don't see how they keep this game competitive, let alone stay competitive throughout the year. Like I, 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 I don't see what other people see in Dom Davis. BC are the favorites over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers here. This, I think, is the, the most interesting game of the week. The Bombers do have some injury issues here. It looks like Kat, Chris Matthews, their new uh, receiver, and Patty Newfeld are going to be game-time decisions uh, Third-year DB Brandon Alexander, I know he's being relied on as a leader in that secondary this year. He hasn't practiced this week, so first-year CFLer Marcus Rios was taking the reps. But that Bombers defense has five former Lions and the mm-hmm. starting five receivers uh, for uh, the Bombers are Nick Dembski, Darvin Adams, Drew Wolitarski, and two newcomers, Lucky Whitehead and Kenny the King Lawler <laughs> has been playing in place of Chris Matthews. If Matthews is good to go, then he probably gets on there. But Kenny Lawler mm-hmm. has been taking the reps in practice. And, and having guys like Adams and Lucky Whitehead, uh, you know, if they can stretch the field, because we know Andrew Harris is going to figure, figure prominently into the offense, uh, that Matt Nichols is going to have a chance to go downfield and, and they could put up some points for sure. 
The Lions have claimed center J.S. Waugh off of Edmonton's practice roster. He was drafted in 2017, but the Edmonton Eskimos put him on the PR right for the picking, and the Lions stole him. <laughs> but it is within yep. the rules, man, and the Lions struggled at center. They had a Cody Husband retire on them, so they need somebody that mm-hmm. has experience with uh, snapping the ball because Hunter Stewart got in in the preseason game, and he was struggling a little bit with those snaps. Snaps, but it's within the rules. Ed Hervey does what he needs to build a team, and I don't have a problem with it. Cavis Reed, take note. <laughs> Start poaching those practice rosters, Cavis. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we see it in every league, right? A guy trying to, uh, or whether it be practice roster, we saw with the Leafs, you know, sending uh, Curtis McElhinney down when he didn't have, uh, when he was waiver eligible, and guys get scooped up. It just it becomes an issue when. Uh, you have a team that you know you've kind of built uh, from the draft and and through through those means and guys become I don't want to say inadequate but you know you draft positions every year and you know one guy's just better and you you think well practice roster we can keep our depth but you know team, teams are watching that and teams know know who these guys are so uh, like you said Ed Hervey just does whatever he needs uh, it's kind of an all in right now for Ed Hervey with the amount of money they've spent uh, in free agency to get these, to get, you know, namely Mike Riley. Uh, it's time to win in BC for sure. Brandon Rutley is listed as questionable right now. So it uh, looks like it's going to be all John White at running back. This is an interesting game, Ty. Where are you going? I'm going with the Bombers. I'm also going with Bombers. Wow, this is a really boring uh, pick segment. So here. that means we're going 0-4. Um, <laughs> Yeah, more than likely. Uh, you know, coming into BC, winning in BC, coming into BC, never easy. Uh, you know, they were eight and one at home last year, or seven and two. Uh, but it's week one. It's a little different than coming in week ten after uh, on a Saturday or on a Thursday night after playing on a Saturday or something like that, right? Uh, it doesn't worry me as much. Um, you know, and when it, and we've both agreed that Winnipeg is kind of in that position where they are in win now mode and they have to get over the hump. And this year's got to be the year with their contract situations. Uh, and I just think this is the year they get it together. And I, I think they come into BC and win on Saturday night. You can join us for Pick'em at pick'em.cfl.ca. Also for fantasy at cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Ty, what's your lineup look like? Well, of course, I, I held to my guns, and I, I starting Antonio Pipkin. You did, uh, Andrew Harris. Yeah, I'm going with Andrew Harris and Sean Thomas Erlington uh, at the running back spot. Erlington's pretty cheap. I, I couldn't pass that up. Uh, Eric Rogers, Brian Burnham, Braylon Addison, and the Calgary Stampeders defense. So my lineup is Bo Levi Mitchell, and I went heavy on running back Andrew Harris mm-hmm. and uh, William Powell because man, these guys. They're going to get the ball. That's why. <laughs> 100% they are. That's why I was uh, comfortable with that. Uh, Reggie Bagleton, Braylon Addison. I'm taking a bit of a chance with Lucky Whitehead, but he's 2500 bucks, And if he's going to be returning and on offense, I really like uh, the returns mm-hmm. that are possible with him. And I have the Eskimos defense against the Alouettes. 41 bucks left for me. What about you? 827. 827. Oh, wow. Good for you, man. I try to get as close as possible, and it screws me up every time. <laughs> I, just play the, I just play the numbers, man. You know me. <laughs> you went in-depth for fantasy on our website, 2 
Just your top three performers from the week. Just one from each position that you have as maybe the best matchup, uh, whether they're worth a lot of money or not. Uh, well, you know, the, the surprising thing to me coming into the year was that Mike Riley was not $14,000 anymore. Yeah, he dropped by quite uh, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and he puts up 22.7 points a game against Winnipeg. Uh, granted, that was with the offense he had in uh, Edmonton. Uh, but, you know, a guy like Antonio Pipkin puts up 19. Andrew Harris, uh, usually against any opponent, doesn't really matter. He's usually the top guy, 21.4. Uh, against BC in his career, and when you get to receivers, it's kind of a, it's kind of weird. Uh, Eric Rogers at twenty point four for his matchup. Kamar Jordan is up there, but he's obviously not playing. Brian Burnham at sixteen point nine, and the third highest guy for his matchup this week is Deron Carter. When when, when are you going to trust Deron? How many games do you need to see him being his old self before you start throwing him in your lineup? Uh, I actually had him as my flex position. <laughs> until the depth chart came out and I saw Braylon Addison was playing in the slot for sure and starting, and I, I changed my mind pretty quick. I love me uh, some Deron Carter, especially his Twitter account. It's just awesome. So, Ty, you're going to do some fantasy articles every week on 2andout.ca? That, that is the plan. Man, those I, numbers, I, I, do they make your eyes crossed? No, because I have, I have special glasses for the computer now. <laughs> We're, how old are we? You've got glasses for the computer? <laughs> well, yeah, they like to block out the blue light so I don't get headaches. Oh, what are those? You know, I, they, I got them off Amazon. Oh, you can get they, everything they filter out the They filter out the blue light so it's less eye fatigue. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. We're, we're a part of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. I'm going to point you in the direction of press start to join this week. Josh and Alan talk uh, video games, movies, TVs, comics, Star Wars, anything nerd culture, I think. And I don't think that's a negative term anymore. But E3 was this week. So the new uh, stuff from Nintendo, Xbox, PlayStation, it's all out there. I bet that Josh and Alan are going to have a blast talking about that on Press Start to Join. All right, Ty. CFL kickoff is upon us. I'm going to see you at the Eskimo game, I trust. I am a probable right now. I mean, Tom Cochran and Red Rider, how do you miss that? Well, I know. Like, I, I wouldn't even have to go for the game. I'd show up with five minutes left in the second quarter and then leave after the concert, right? <laughs> I can't miss Taco in a bag at, at the Eskimo Empire podcast well, uh, tailgate this, this week, right? Like, Well, I got a coupon for... Uh, I won't be able to go, but I got a coupon for buy one, get one free quarter pounder, so I'll be using that. Well, I'll, I'll eat your taco in a bag. Then. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yours. Last time I went, there was no tacos. I think I had a bag of meat and cheese. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, welcome to my Tuesday night, man. <laughs> Subscribe on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or both, depending on all the devices you have. Enjoy CFL kickoff. We'll talk to you Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.